return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. This for all your sins. Say all. So sometimes, you know, you can have a memory of something you've done, but if you don't have to live under condemnation. To say that, well, once this is what I did, it was really bad, and well, maybe it, maybe it was bad, but you know, sin is sin. You know, I've never known anybody that goes to, that comes away from a doctor and say, oh, it's no big deal, it's just a little cancer. It's just a little cancer, this isn't a big deal. No, cancer is cancer. Sin is sin. And so he forgives us of all of our sins. Now, I'm saying that because if he says that, then we want to receive that. You want to walk in the newness of life that he has for you. And many people, even a lot of Christians, they've given their lives to Christ. They've turned from their past. They've turned to him. But still, hold, they still hang on to other things that pull them down. He's forgiven of all of it. Like when we have communion. We always say he's breaking bondages and bad habits and so forth. And he is. Hallelujah. When, when that happens, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. We get freer and freer and freer. The more I realize my forgiveness of sins, the, more self, the less self-conscious I become, the more God-conscious I become. So the more I realize, hey, boy, well, that's in the past. I don't even care then anymore. I just get excited. I just get excited about worshiping the Lord. I get excited about telling others about him because of what he's done for me. All right, now this is not something you do for yourself. You're not working your way to heaven. You're accepting what he's done for you and acknowledging he's my path, he's my door. He's my way into heaven. Amen? That through the blood of Jesus Christ, I can become the righteousness of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. So it's not a mental ascent somehow we're getting into heaven that way. Ephesians 2 I love Ephesians 2.8. By grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. So it's not a product of what I've done, other than the fact that I'm opening my heart to Jesus. Yes, that happened for me in a, in a bar, in a nightclub. So I love the fact God invades darkness with light and transforms us. And so grace is a good word. We've been saved, healed, delivered, set free, sozo, through this grace, this life of God, not of yourselves, it is a gift. It is a gift. So, um, I love faith. I love confession. I love standing strong. But a lot of times, you can find some people almost like they're just arrogant Christians. Oh, bless God, I'm this and that and so forth. And it's like, we are. But someday, when that day comes, and it will come for everybody, when we leave this life... Then we will stand before the Lord. And it won't be because we're so good. It won't be because we've done so many things. No, it's all because of grace. Say grace. grace. It's a gift of God. It's his unmerited favor that he gives to us. It's like even, I loved, uh, I loved the other day, the testimonies with Randy, Randy's family, Randy Dahl's family. 
And he was praising God until the last moments of his life. And, and uh, it's so wonderful, you know, we don't understand this because we're still in this life and we're very, still very physical. But when you breathe your last, your spirit leaves the body, boom, you're present with the Lord. And, and to think about that, you know, it's not then because, well, I've done a lot of things he's got to let me in. It's not at all that. And a verified or just example, a thief on the cross, you know, who had done nothing other than acknowledge Jesus that he had a kingdom. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. He was acknowledging him as the Savior. And Jesus saw what? He saw his heart. So it wasn't, it wasn't the perfect prayer that he prayed. His prayer was, remember me. But, but God saw his heart. My prayer, my prayer in a nightclub is, what I need is you, Lord. That's what I need. It's pretty, pretty simple. But boom, my life changed. Forgiveness came into my life. And so, so we see that, you know, the gift of God that he gives us. Now, do we want to confess? Do we want to stand? Do we want to do all those things? Yes, we do. And yet understanding it's all him and not me. Amen? So it's, that, it's, it's, it's a combination of doing the right things, but it's him doing it. It's him. It's a gift. So a gift has to be received. Now, now Luke 23 when Jesus is at the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Just powerful. Wow. It's like Stephen even. You know, so we have Jesus' example. We go to the book of Acts. We have Stephen's example. And he lays, he's, as they're stoning him, forgive them. He's forgiving them. I think, wow, that's powerful. You know, I mean, we, we as people get so offended at trivial things. Trivial things. And yet here he's being pelted with rocks, not pebbles, rocks, Stephen. And he asks, and he prays for forgiveness on the others. Jesus is speaking forgiveness to the religious people, to the Roman guards, to those that spit on him, to us. He's speaking forgiveness to us at Calvary. Amen. That, you know, that's what kept him there was love. It wasn't the, the nails or anything. So he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And we've done a lot of things in arrogance, or not ar- ignorance. We've done a lot of things, you know, not realizing the consequences and so forth. But thank God for grace. Amen. Everybody, everybody's made mistakes, and, and we're not perfect yet today. How about that, you know? We're not perfect. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not perfect. And then tell them, that's why you need grace. We need, we need grace because, because we're still in this world. We're still trusting God. And so we receive this forgiveness when we turn to Jesus Christ, turning away from our sins. In other words, repenting. So we're just turning away from our sins to receive the thing that we needed the most, which is forgiveness. It's our greatest need. Amen? Now let me just turn this now a little bit. Because... The most important gift we can give others, well, share Jesus, yes, I know that. But otherwise, the most important thing you can give others, you as a person can give forgiveness. And we live in a world today that is just boiling with anger. You know, you can look at every continent, every place in this planet, and you just see angry people. And they're angry about lots of things. But a lot of that anger boils back down to, of course, 
being lost and needing forgiveness. Forgiving others. It's like they say, if you live in a glass house, well, then you don't want to be throwing stones, right? You don't want to get in a rock fight if you live in a glass house. Knowing, knowing that we're not perfect, the last thing we want to do is be throwing things at others that really we ourselves cannot justify. When the woman was brought to Jesus and, and the woman caught in the act of adultery and brought to Jesus and she's down on the ground and they got their rocks and according to the law, she should have been stoned to death. That's according to the law. And then Jesus said, he that is without sin, let him cast, let him cast the first stone. Okay. And so then it says, like he knelt on the ground, he's writing things. Now, he's writing things that, that exposes their hearts. And one by one, he did this twice, but one by one, you can hear the rocks probably thunk, drop. And people walking away. And then at, at, at some point, he looks at the woman and he said, where are your accusers? And she looks around and she said, they're not here. No, nobody left. Now, there was only one. When Jesus said, he that's without sin, let him cast the first stone. There was one there without sin. Jesus. He was the only one without sin. He was the only one who could have done that. All right. Who could have. Killed her. And yet Jesus said, she said, where are the accusers? She said, they're not here, Lord. And she says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And I just think, oh, Lord, you're so good. So, so we have this anger in the world. Now, now, let's boil it down to our personal lives. Anger. And folks, I, I just think a lot of us have to deal with our anger. I have had to in my life. You know, I grew up and we, can, we could look at things and, and uh, circumstances and so forth. But, but I was a product of my parents. Everybody's a product of their parents. Everybody maybe has something that kind of gets under their skin to irritate them, to make them upset or angry. I can remember years and years ago, but I did something or I responded to something and I thought, wait a minute, that's what my dad would have done. What my dad did do, you know, and I thought, wow, I, I need to change. I need to respond differently. Like, like, how do you respond to your children? Well, there's no perfect parents. And of course, it's very easy to get upset at children, but they are children, right? And so, so children are going to make mistakes and so do adults. So the thing then, of course, now we're talking about Christmas. We're talking about receiving a gift, which in forgiveness, but now giving a gift, forgiveness toward others. So in Matthew 18, Jesus gives this example. And he said, uh, <clears throat> when Peter came, he says, how many times if my brother sin against me, forgive me up to seven times. Peter said, sure, do it like seven times. All right. And Jesus said, I don't, I don't say seven times, up to 70 times, 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of God is like a certain king who went to settle his accounts with the servants. So, so Jesus, Peter was thinking, man, well, if it happens seven times in a day and I forgive him, that's, boy, that's pretty good. You know, seven's a good number, right? And Jesus said, no, I want 70 times seven. Now, of course, actually, you know, 490 times. Is that going to happen in a day? No. But what is he saying? He says, I want you to establish a habit of forgiving people. 
Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to establish a habit. So, so if I'm going to deal with things in my life, I have, to, I have to set something in my heart to an establish a habit. Like, whatever happens in the future, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to forgive. All right? I'm going to establish a habit. Now, that begins with all the little things in life. To just decide, I'm going to forgive people. I'm going to release people. I'm not going to hold a grudge. Now, I'm talking, of course, I'm talking primarily to Christians, but this fits for anybody. I mean, if you're not a Christian, you want to receive Christ first, receive the forgiveness, because then you've got something to give, right? So once you receive forgiveness, then you've got something to give out again. So we have to establish a habit, because Jesus talked about the world, there are offenses. Offenses are going to come to everybody in one way or another. And usually they're not announced, oh, 9.30, now this is going to happen. So prepare yourself for 9.30. No, it's just, it just happens. And we can either, we could lose our temper. We could feel offended. We could hold a grudge. We could do all kinds of things. But in God's eyes, there's only one appropriate thing to do, and that is to forgive. In other words, don't even let it, don't even let it get a foothold. When's the best time to forgive? As soon as it happens, right? Because otherwise... It's like anything, if you plant something and it gets a root, well, now you have to pull a little harder to get the thing pulled out, right? And, and so the longer it sits there, the deeper the root goes, like a root of bitterness, but the deeper it goes and pretty soon, you know, you can kind of pull your back trying to get something out in the natural, but spiritually the same way. It's harder because it's just been there. You've nursed it, you've tolerated it, you know, so you hung on to a grudge or something. And the truth is, we all, all of us have to do this. We have to all, on a daily basis, release people. It's paramount. Because, because we're, people can be, people can watch the news and get offended. And they're angry. They don't even know the people. <laughs> they can see maybe something else happens, or, or something to somebody else, and then they get offended. Things happen to us all the time, and folks, we just have to keep that switch of forgiveness on. It's not like, well, well, if it happens, I'll do that. No, just keep it on. So Jesus said, now a story, then the kingdom's like a king. So the king comes to settle his accounts, and he comes to this guy who owes him some money. Jesus is given the story. And, and so Jesus forgives the guy of his debt. And the guy turns around, and he finds somebody else who owes him a much smaller amount, and grabs him by the throat and said, pay me what you, what you, what you owe me. And the guy says, I don't have it right now, but give me, give me a chance. He said, and he threw him into the prison because he didn't have the money, rather than giving him the same treatment he was given. Verse 27, verse 27. So it says, the master of that servant was moved to compassion, released him, and forgave him his debt. So this is the guy that owed a lot of money. He released him. Say Release. We want to release people, amen? I don't want to hold, I don't want to hold things. Who's it going to hurt? It's going to hurt me, right? I mean, I mean, unforgiveness is like drinking the poison, hoping the other person dies. It doesn't work, doesn't work good, all right? So it hurts me if I hold on to something, you know, and, you know, something's underneath the skin, you know, and if I see somebody or think something and it upsets me. We just have folks, the anger, 
Anger is something, you take the word anger, it's one letter short of danger. Put a D in front of it and you have danger. And so we have people all across our society acting out things because of their anger and pretty soon they cause a bigger problem that affects their life in a, long, in a bad way. So, so Jesus had compassion, or the, he's talking about the story of the king. He has compassion. He releases him, forgives the debt. The man in turn goes back and, and uh, demands the other. Let's go to verse 32. So the master, after he called him, said, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry, delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother's trespasses. These are huge words. So you have to think about it. Jesus talking the story. He forgives. He forgives the person. And then that person who, ah, I'm forgiven, and then turns right around and then does not forgive or does not give forgiveness to somebody else. And Jesus is saying, I want you to do the same thing. Now, all of us here, oh, thank you, Lord, for forgiveness. All of us here receive something. Amen. Jesus said, freely you've received. There's nothing bigger than receiving forgiveness. Freely receive, freely give. So you want to give this away to other people. And then Jesus kind of really summarizes this in a heavy weighted statement. My heavenly father will also do to you. In other words, there's accountability. If I do not forgive, then I'm going to reap the penalty of unforgiveness, which is not good. So, also, if you don't do it from his heart, not just, okay, yeah, I forgive him, yeah, it's no big deal, but deep inside you're still smoldering. <laughs> you know, you have to forgive his brother his trespasses. Every one of you. So it's a weighty thing, forgiving everybody from your heart. Now, this doesn't just happen. You have to work at it. You have to practice it. Sometimes people look at Scripture and say, oh, yeah, okay, got it. Yep, got it. It doesn't happen that way. The Word of God is received, it's digested, and it begins to grow in us. Like fruit, the fruit of the Spirit grows. I can plant an apple tree, but I'm probably not going to get a very big apple crop immediately, right? With any fruit. You grow fruit. Gifts are given. Fruit is growing. So we grow as Christians. And this is, this is the sad thing of Christianity. People can be a Christian for years and years and years and still they're, they're still eating up with all kinds of stuff, you know, that bothers them. Not saying they're not going to heaven, but the problem is their life is certainly not an abundant life that God would want to give us. Where does that eternal life begins as soon as we accept Christ as our Savior? An abundant life begins as soon as we start walking in the promises. All right? So I can start walking in the abundant life right now of all that he's got to give me. But I have to practice the word. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got to practice this. Now, when, when do you practice it? Well, I would guess you'll have opportunity today. <laughs> you practice it. 
You, you go to work on it. You decide if this is, if this is the game plan. If this is the game plan that God will do to you, if, if you from your heart do not forgive everybody's trespasses, if this is the game plan, then I want to practice this game plan. I want to work on it. Because we could all say, well, you don't understand. Well, I, I went through a divorce or, well, they did this to me or, well, this, you know, we could always come up with something. An if, a but. <laughs> What was that quote? That quote, if it's and but, ifs and buts were candies and nuts, we'd have Christmas all year long. If ifs and buts were candies and nuts, we'd have Christmas all year long. We think about stuff. We, we have, we, we're good at making excuses. And we're good at helping others to make this. Say, you know, I understand. Yeah, I understand. That's okay, Panama. I understand. You, you, they, this happened. But the truth is, folks, there is not an excuse. There is no, there is no, so to speak, get out of forgiveness card. I'm going to present my get out of forgiveness card because that will trump all those other bad things and I can hold on to this. No, there's no get out of forgiveness card. Unfor, you know, unforgiveness. And the Lord's Prayer, which, which is prayed almost universally without, around Christendom, you know, when Jesus taught his disciples, you know, in Luke, uh, what is that, Luke 11. And so, so Jesus comes and he's, because the disciples said, well, teach us how to pray. So he begins to talk about worship and so forth. Kingdom coming on earth is in heaven. I like that. Amen. And we can, I, you know, we experience heaven all the time. Oh, boy, thank God. <laughs> there should be some heaven in your home. Amen. Should be heaven in your marriage. You should cultivate that, the things of God. So, so we thank God for his provision. We thank God for his forgiveness, forgive us. But also we turn that around, Jesus, right in the Lord's Prayer, that we also forgive everyone else who's, who's indebted to us, who's, who's sinned against us, who's trespassed against us, so forth. So right in the Lord's Prayer, here's, here's this whole thing that everybody prays. <laughs> but so few people do it. You know, they religiously pray it, you know, and feel like I've done my duty today and services will be concluded today and they'll pray the Lord's Prayer and I've done my duty and, it's, and then walk out and they're still full of anger and, you know, upset at people and, <laughs> and don't do it. The danger of knowing Scripture is that you know it but don't do it. That's a danger. It's better to almost not know much, not know much, but live it than to know a lot and not live it. So Jesus is saying here, here's, here's the prayer. It's a daily prayer, so to speak, lifestyle. But you have to do it. You have to forgive everyone. There's this verse here. Say everyone. So that takes that removes the excuse factor. Removes the, the thing to try to justify ourselves. And we've all done that before. We've all tried to justify it either to ourselves or to God or whatever. But it doesn't work. It never helps you out. It never helps us out as people if we do not forgive everyone. And what does it take again? It takes practice. It takes a choice. I'm going to forgive. When I forgive now, I'm going to release that issue. I'm going to release it. 
I'm not going to hold on to it any longer. I'm going to release it. My hand is open. The devil can try to bring it back. Ah, released. Not holding on to it. Not going back there. It's released. Releasing people. Releasing circumstances and events of all, of all kinds. Of all kinds. I mean, when we became Christians and our families were not and did not want to be around us and treated, it, treated us uh, very poorly at times. Holidays were a difficult time for us. We'd go home, there was booze and so forth. We had people cussing at us and saying things. and It was not a pleasant experience. And when we would leave our families' homes, we'd have to shake off the dust and we'd have to actively forgive. I mean, we'd just be angry. Be angry. But actively forgive people. Forgive moms and dads, brothers or sisters. Forgive people for what they said, what they did, or what they didn't do, whatever. Release them. So that the next time we saw them, we could come, embrace them, bless them, and not hold in that offense. And not keep thinking, I'm so angry and so forth. We were talking even, even in the office, you know, my parents, my, our daughter was sick for years. She, she was critically ill for a number of years, lost half of her breathing capacity, and uh, um, it was difficult. She, she couldn't sing anymore. She couldn't do different things. And my parents, who were big smokers, came to our house where we were at, and I asked them, you know, could you not smoke in the house? And they were offended, and they never came back to our house again. They never visited again. And I'm thinking, how is you as a grandparent cannot understand your granddaughter is critically ill, smoke is not good? Nope. Never came back to our house again, ever. Never visited us again because they wanted to smoke. And I had to release them. Doesn't everybody want their grandparents around their grandchildren? I had to release them. They weren't Christians at that point. Think about become Christians until they just got saved. But I had to release them. Did they go to my brothers? You bet. Drink, smoke, everything else, party time, great. Oh, yeah. Our house never again came to our house. And the only way we saw them is to go to their house and they'd smoke. Just a cloud in the room. We get home, we'd have to take off all our clothes, suitcase, whatever, throw in the laundry because everything stunk. Release people. That's just an example. There's all kinds of things you have to release people on. And not hold things. Because otherwise it makes us upset. And we could feel justified. But in God's eyes, there's no justification. People say, well, they're sinners, you know. They should. No, no, it doesn't matter. Release them. And what does it do? It frees our heart. Frees our heart to live right before God. So Ephesians 4 then says that we should do this. Ephesians 4, be kind to one another. That's not hard, is it? It's an action. Turn to your neighbor and say, be kind to everybody. Now that begins in my home. So my kids grew up seeing how I treated my wife. In turn, today, they're sowing their things in their family and how they treat their spouse or their kids. 
kind to one another, tender-hearted. Now, if I'm harboring unforgiveness, that makes the heart pretty hard, right? <laughs> pretty soon, you know, we can claim, I know the Word of God. I know that's what No, no, we have to be tender-hearted, soft. Notice what it says, forgiving one another. Why do we do this? As Christ, as God in Christ forgave you. Now, I would say this. If you want to go to heaven, then you need to be a good forgiver. I wouldn't be presumptuous to say, well, I can get to heaven anyway because I love Jesus. I wouldn't be so presumptuous because forgiveness, unforgiveness leads you on a dark path. Okay, it can, things can get worse and worse in terms of walking away from God. So you want to forgive because why? As Christ forgave me. And I think, oh, Lord, you forgave me so much. And he says, that's right, Dave, and I want you to forgive them and them and them or just whoever. Walk with that switch turned on to forgive people. Now, the next chapter kind of flows right into this, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Same theme, there's a chapter break. Be imitators of God as dear children. Now, children, children, are, children are children. They forgive quickly, don't they? Children, you know, something can happen or whatever, and they go, ah, you know, okay, let's go play some more. You know, they forgive. They're not, they, don't, they don't hold on to things. Unforgiveness is something that's learned. We learn to be angry. We learn to be bitter. We learn to hold offenses. So he says, I want you to follow God like children, and I want you to walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. So I want this, this is something, what do we do? We're practicing. I feel like I'm always working out spiritually. <laughs> but that's a good thing, right? There's no age here. You just keep working out. You get into God's gym and you keep doing things for his glory and you keep working on your heart that your heart is clean. Amen. Amen. So we walk in love toward everybody else. Everybody you see, so from your home to your job to the store to what you watch or whatever, you walk in love and forgive. Amen? Colossians 3.13, just a couple more verses. Colossians 3.13, you, you bear with one another or you're enduring or you're patient. You put up with other people, amen? amen. Put up with other people. And this is forgiving one another. Forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you should do. Forgiving somebody else. There's a complaint, whatever, against somebody else, an issue. Forgive. Turn to your neighbor and say, forgive. Folks, these things are so liberating. It's so liberating to walk in this place of where we're living the word. If he said it, we should do it. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not complicated. <laughs> it's not complicated. God doesn't make complicated things. It's, it's simple. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's a decision. That's right. So, so he wants us to apply this to our lives. What are, what are we teaching here today? What are we teaching on camera? We're teaching you how to win. We're teaching you how to win in life. How, how do you have an abundant life? We're teaching you how to have an abundant life. We're teaching you how to walk in victory. So that, so that whoever we may come up, whoever we may see, we can have an honest heart toward them. Now, we live in America, so we, let me, let me just say, 
We're Americans, for us who are Americans, and you have it easy. We don't have people, we're not going to bed at night thinking, is someone going to break into our town or village and, and set fires and trap the Christians and kill people and do things like that. We don't have that issue. We don't have issues where someone, you, you're, you be, you're a Christian and they find out on your job and so they say, you don't have a job anymore. You're just, you don't have a job. And no one's going to do a thing about it. The officials will always side with the non-Christian because they hate Christianity. And so what are you going to do? You know, pe- people, people in India, you know, the churches, churches have been burned and pastors have been killed and so forth. And then, and then, you know, they say, well, can you do anything? No, there's nothing to do because all the officials are also of that religion, and so they won't do anything. They don't do anything. Nothing to do. You go back and you clean up, and you help the pastor's family. And we were in a conference one time, and the issue in a pastor's conference there was talking about if you die in Christ and so forth, we'll help buy you a casket to get you buried. Well, they don't talk about that in ministerial meetings in the United States. People aren't talking about that at all. That was the meeting there, you know, where we'll help, we'll help bury you. You know, let your spouse know that. It's a different world. So what we look at and what we think, oh, this is a big thing and I'm upset and you don't understand, really, 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 really is a first world problem. We have to understand that. Put yourself in other people's shoes and think, is this that big of a deal? No. Not. So you don't want to make it a big deal. Why? Because you could be protesting heaven and so forth, and heaven's like, oh my goodness, uh, brother so and so's complaining again, you know. Be like, well, Holy Spirit, well, let him be. He can sit and stew and be upset and have all this. He will. God, God can't help us unless we do things. So unless I'm willing to release. He'll let me sit in bitterness, anger the whole life. Yeah, well, whatever. You can have have a half-baked life, you know, if you want. Or you can have an abundant life. I choose for an abundant life, amen? I choose for for to be free, to be liberated. (laughs) Amen? See, we will have people, we will have people talk about us, gossip about us, say lies about us. What are you going to do? Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. People become pawns of the enemy. They don't know, right? You have to forgive people. Turn to your neighbor and say, forgive people. (laughs) Not complicated. As Christ forgave us, right? So last thing is Luke 6. Luke 6. And I like these verses where Jesus just said, love your enemies. So he really gets to the nitty gritty. You know, people can say, you know, I just love people around me. Well, they're your friends or maybe family or so forth. I love all the. What about your enemies? So he just kind of cuts to the nitty gritty. I want, I want you to, let's just go right to the big deal here. Because everything else is secondary to enemies. So I want you to love your enemies, which we were before we were in Christ. We were his enemies, right? It says that in Corinthians. So we were his, while we were his enemies, Christ died for us. 
So love your enemies. He set the example. I want you to do good. I want you to lend. I want you to hope for nothing in return. Your reward will be great. You'll be sons of the Most High. So I want you to do this to your enemies. I want you to do good. I want you to lend. I want, don't even worry about whatever comes back. I just want you to bless them. Amen? Now notice the verse in last part of verse 35. This is our father. I had a natural father. Everybody did. Whether you knew him well or not. We have a natural father. And probably for most of us, they were unsaved. All right? So now we have that DNA. What's good, keep. What's not, get rid of, right? I always say spray spiritual roundup on it or something. So you can, Holy Ghost, blood of Jesus. And, and then now we have a spiritual father. Now this is what's more important. Our spiritual father. Now our spiritual father is, is uh, uh, kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Now, this is a verse here that, that I tell you what, I, I've, I've been on this a long time. And the reason I've been on it is because my prayer is, oh, God, change me. Change me to be like you. Because in the natural, I am not kind. I'm not kind to the evil and unthankful. I like thankfulness. If I do something for somebody, I like it when someone says, thank you. But I don't like it when someone says, <laughs> take it. Wait, 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 where's my thanks here? I want thanks, you know. I were even trying to teach the kids. Of course, you do something for you, you say thank you, the grandkids and stuff. But you know, these are big things, see? So, so in the natural, I'm not this. But in the supernatural, I can be. Amen? In the supernatural, I can be kind to unthankful people and evil people. And that's what he asked me to be. Again, no escape card here. This doesn't favor anybody. It's worldwide. He is kind. And that is why, even today, when people say, the judgment of God is coming, you know, and they're out there like this, I'm saying, I doubt it. And why do I doubt it? Because I know the scripture. I know who my father is. He's not going to kill anybody. He's kind. He's not going to kill someone. Judgment's going to come. No, someday. Not today. Sorry. Not today. (laughs) When you know the scripture, you know, wow, that's his nature. He's just going to be kind. And my nature, go get him. His nature, be nice. Totally different deal. We want his nature, amen? You have to desire the nature of God. Nothing is automatic. Forgiveness is a gift. Hallelujah. Automatic. Thank you, Jesus. Now I grow into his image. I grow and we change. Change, change, but change is good. People say, it's kind of hard. Maybe it is, but it's good. (laughs) Let's face it. Amen? It's good when we change. So he's kind to the unthankful and to the evil. Therefore, we should, because of that, I should be merciful because my father's merciful. Again, this goes contrary to my human nature. I don't want to be merciful. I want want them to get what they deserve, what I think they deserve. (laughs) And God says, you know what I think they deserve? It's for you to be kind. And I'm thinking, well, I don't want to be kind. You have a choice. You can sit and stew, but that's what I'm going to do. He's not going to change his word for you and I. He's not going to change the scripture to fit our circumstances. not going to do that. He is God Almighty, and it's our choice, choice to yield to the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I think you should be merciful, Dave. And I'm not going to give you another choice. <laughs> 
That's plan A, that's it. Door one, door one, one door. Be merciful. Don't, don't judge, you know, you be judged. Don't condemn. Forgive and you will be forgiven. So I look at that and I say, all right, Lord, I surrender. Let's just lift our hands a second. You know, universal sign of forgiveness, lifting, lifting hands. Sign of surrender, excuse me, is lifting hands. So, Lord, I surrender to your word, to your ways, to, to who you are as God Almighty. And me, Lord, I'm, I feel very small. <laughs> I feel very small, but Lord, I thank you. Your Holy Spirit lives in us. I thank you. You are changing us to be the people you want us to be in this world. People watching a lot of places even right now. God is working to change your life, my life, for his glory. To follow Jesus Christ. It's not a church. It's not some other rules and regulations. Just following Jesus. Be a forgiver. Be merciful. Be kind. Be gracious. Now do that to people that you meet. Maybe, maybe you need to repair a bridge or two even. Go, go repair a bridge. Amen. It's not hard to do that. It just takes humility. It always takes humility, doesn't it? It's not like, you know, tenderheartedness is humility. Humility to say, well, I was wrong. I'm sorry. I want to change. Lord, I want to change. I pray that for our church here today. I pray that for congregation online. I thank you for positive change, Lord. We thank you for Holy Ghost DNA in us, that we are your children. We are your people. You are our God. And that people will see your life in us, Jesus, because we have love one for another. So I thank you for a manifestation of this, Lord, in us. I thank you for growth happening on the inside of us, Father, and how we treat and relate to other people. Lord, I thank you for this. I thank you for this abundant life of forgiveness and giving forgiveness to others, Lord, to everybody. We thank you for your prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And we purpose to do it, to live it, in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 God is so good. Amen. Come on out tonight, you know. It's just good to be around Christians. Good to be around believers. Iron sharpens iron. Good to be together and to uh, uh, grow in the Lord. Amen. So bless one another, amen, say hi to some folks again, and glad you're here, and then we'll look forward to uh, seeing you soon, amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605-692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.